So we're on the bottom of 22b, and um, we're um, discussing how to help a person remove a vow that they made, that they have some regret, and, um, uh, but we said regret alone is, is not ideal, meaning that um, there, there's different methods for removing a vow, and some of them are a little tricky. And we said before that in the Ran that sometimes people don't really regret, but if the, uh, in front of the rabbis they say, don't you regret doing such a thing, so what do you expect them to say? Uh, so they'll say, sure. And so uh, therefore it's a better method to go even further to totally uproot the vow. But in order to do so, you have to get into the psychology of the person who made the vow. So... Uh, Gemara is now is going to bring some t- an interesting method of uh, uprooting a vow. And um, the, uh, the Gemara is going to show actually two examples uh, where they use this method. So uh, let's, let's go into it. Um, so um, it starts about... Uh, I, I, there's a, the story is longer, and you always know there's more to the story. Uh, but it starts with Mishtach Mishtabeach le Rava le Rav Nachma Rav Schoira the Adam Gadolhu. They said that this fellow Rabbi Schoira was a great person, and they didn't uh, they didn't compliment a per- person lightly. In fact, they were very strong against. So they say, "Oh boy, this Rabbi Schoira, he's an Adam Gadolhu. He's a big guy. Big doesn't mean we're about ten lines up on the bottom of twenty-two B." So he said, I want to meet him. So actually, he met him in a funny way. That, this, this Rabbi Schoira had a vow. And it's also interesting because we say you're not supposed to vow, and then we're bringing stories where great sages vowed, right? So unless maybe it wasn't codified until later. Um, I, I would say that sometimes we think that we don't vow, and we really do. When you give your word, you're, giving your word is a form of a vow. Uh, again, in English, we say, well, I didn't say I swear. It doesn't matter what you said. If you said you were going to do something, that's your word. It's binding. So he had a vow, and he came in front of Rav Nachman. And so Rav Nachman was going to do his best to uproot this vow. So, Omele, Nidra, did you realize, did you have this in mind? Omele, yes, in. Everything he tried, see, the, the smarter a person is, the harder it is to find a way to uproot his vow because he knew everything. He, he had thought through the process when he swore whatever it was he swore. So at this point, the rabbi who was trying to nullify the vow got upset, Ikbid. He, he, was, uh, he got frustrated, Ikbid Reb Nachman. And he said, Zila go back home. And uh, let's do, this was one of our very first Rabbeinu Gershans, who's the new uh, Rashi, the new Mephorish here on the page, about uh, ten lines up, eight lines, uh, nine lines up. Go home. I can't help you. <laughs> Everything I say, you, you, you've thought about. You, you, it's, you're making it very difficult. So, Nafak Rav Schaira went home. And he thought about this himself, and he found his own Pesach, and he said to find his own opening. Rebbe Omar, and again, I, I, it's, it's uh, one of the reasons I went back is that this teaching just struck me. I'm so fond of it, the, the idea to bring Pirkei Avos into, 
Actually, life, to always be thinking of Pirkei Avos. This is the litmus test in life, if you're doing the right things. So, first of all, Ezi Derek Yeshara Shiyav, what's the path that you should choose in life? So, first of all, Koshi Tiferes Losa, it's got to be good for you. Think about yourself, your family, is this, is this good for you? There, believe it or not, there are people that forget that. They don't think about themselves, is this going to benefit me? Uh, but then on the other hand, you have to see how, how does it affect other people. Is it only good for you and not good for other people? Are other people, so are you putting other people out when you take this path? So he's saying, well, me with my stubborn vow, I got the great Rav Nachman upset. I would have never made that vow if I had known that I would have gotten the rabbis upset. So so he took off the vow with that. By himself. By himself, yeah. Which, well, he, no, he's, he's allowed, the, but... No, no, the Mahalich, yeah. I understand. Right, right. But part of what we've seen is uh, somebody gets tripped up, no gains the double. Right. So Rav Avram is pointing out, you see an, an amazing thing here is that a person, uh, or at least a sage, can take care of their own mouth, can find their own Pesach. It, it isn't so simple that we would say such a thing. Right. Okay. That's true. So then we get... Yeah. The, uh, the notes bring down that it doesn't mean that he himself actually did it. He came out with the Pesach, he went to the, to the Gedolim and told them about that, and they did it for him. Because uh, the Pesach, the Yachel goes on the person himself. So that the person cannot do it himself. So he came up with the opening, but then mm-hmm. they, they said. The then he went to court and took. I see. Who, uh, very good. I told him this is what I came up with. Oh, who says that, by the way? Uh, it says brought down by the Ron, the Russian, and the Erie. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Okay, very good, though. But that, that resolves you. That's okay. That we could all understand a little better. Even though he thought of it, he then goes to court and says, I thought of this. What do you think? Okay. Then we get another story. And it's going to be a similar, uh, a similar kind of, of Pesach. So, Reb Shimon Berebi, the son of Rebbeinu HaKadosh, Havile Nidra, Lemishri, he had a vow to take care of, to permit Asla Kameda Rabbani. He went in front of the rabbis. Omer Nedarta Daisi they said to him, when you made this vow, were you thinking of this? So he said, yeah, absolutely. Did you realize this? He said, yes. Kama Zimnan. They went through everything as we turn to today's page. Now, when they started off answering this question, it was still uh, uh, in the shade. In other words, it was early morning, and then the sun came out, and then the sun went out. Latula they, they, it was, all day long, they were spending trying to uh, uh, answer this question. And then meanwhile, it got hot, it got cold. It's an expression, from the sun to the shade, and from the shade to the sun. That's how long this question was going. And they still could not resolve it. Um, so we, gotta, we skip the parentheses because the rush uh, takes it out. Omele bitnis bereid de Abishol ben bitnis. Bitnis, the son of Abishol, the son of bitnis. He was named after his grandfather, I guess. Anybody know where that name comes from, bitnis? No, I haven't met any bitnisses around here. Yeah, okay. So, me nadarta adaita da mitzi rabbanin mitulu l'shimsha mishimsha l'tula. He said to him, would you have made that vow knowing 
that you'd be keeping the rabbis here all day long, having to change the temperature from the sun to the shade to the shade to the sun. So Amalei Lo, he said, no, Visharya, and they permitted him. So that, that's a similar, similar Pesach to what we had before, that, uh, um, uh, that this, this, the trick here is that this seems to be something outside of the person. This has to do with the rabbis that are permitting it. Would you have made this vow if you realized how it affected others? So, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, Havilei Nidir Lemisha. So, he had a vow to take care of. Asla Kamei Rabbanan. He went in front of the Rabbanan Omerlei Nidarta Adaiti Dehachi. They said to him, when you made the vow, did you have this in mind? Omerlei In. Nidarta Adaiti Dehachi, did you have this in mind? Omerlei In. Kamnazim. And it was going on like this all morning long. Except here, uh, in the court, the court used to have certain people that took care of things in the court, certain shamashim. So they had the guy that did the, the washman, the guy, the, the cleaner, was there. Now, um, I've told you, that, mentioned this before, there's a mysterious thing about the, uh, the people that are called washers. Chinese laundry man, the people, they, there were certain, certain people had a role in the Gomorrah called the washermen. Now, I, I don't know what was unique about them, but they, and, and these stories, they have a very unusual role where the, uh, certain people had that, either they had that nickname, I don't know if they actually washed clothes or not, but one of the people who was in the court who was responsible for washing, I don't know if he washed the rabbi's robes or whatever, Hahu he saw that they, the Rabbanin were, this guy was giving the rabbis a hard time. So, Mechia Ba'ukula Kitsri. So he threw his wash, uh, his, his wash thing at the defendant who came to get his vow nullified. He said, that guy's, that guy's giving the rabbis a hard time. They're not pleased with him. So, um, and uh, I guess it's not fun getting hit in the head with a... Uh, a washer thingamabob or whatever. It doesn't really say what this uh, thing is. Right, let's see the uh, Rabbeinu Gershon, four lines down. It's a vessel that holds the clothes. Must be a pretty big vessel to get hit with. Art, Art Stroll calls it the launderer's sprinkler. The sprinkler. <laughs> so I, I don't think the Rabbeinu Gershon is calling it a sprinkler because he says it's the vessel that you put a sprinkler sounds like a hose, doesn't it? Like a or or a bucket, a watering, can. a watering can, or something. Yeah, you think it's like kicking the can. So I wonder if Rabbeinu Gershon learns it's the basin, and he learned they, they learn it's the can. Uh, but either way, it's not fun to get hit with such a thing. So Omer Adaiti He said, "I would have never made the vow if I knew that I would get hit in the court by the washerman who said." <laughs> oh, you're taking too long. I wonder also if there's a line, like everybody's waiting in the basin, and they, you know, it should take only a few minutes per vow, and this guy is taking all morning, and so this guy, you know, the, he had it. Bishari Lenashe, and he, he permitted it. Um, so this wording, by the way, doesn't sound, um, well, it's, they, they used that wording before. He permitted his vow based on that. I wonder if he then told the court that this is, uh, he felt this was a, enough to... Uh, Remove the vow. Omer le Rev Achamidifter Ravina, Rev Achamidifter Ravina, wait a second. Hi, no let who. This is something that was born. This is something that happened later. Usually to remove a vow, it has to be at the time of the vow, and this was the situation. 
This happened later when he goes to court and the washerman throws the washing thing and bangs him on the head. The he, he, he would have never thought that this would happen when he made the vow. And we learn, a Pesach is something that was existed earlier, not something that's born, that happens later. He said, this is not something called Nolad. It's common that there are people in the court, they throw tomatoes at you. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's not, it's, it should be anticipated that if you're going to make a vow that's going to hold up the court, uh, apparently there are people that are going to do that. Uh, the words of the Gemara are afkuri, is like people that are hefker, that don't care, you know, that are, uh, we don't recommend that you go around throwing things at rabbis, but uh, it could have been anticipated. Camera, it's sorry, Rabbanon. <laughs> Sounds like you know, the peanut gallery was always there to uh, move things along or to, to, to um, give a little poke. Yeah, uh, or is, was like it could be because like uh-huh. it sounds like the same as no? Uh, could be, could be. Um, he, he says that if people that cause hassles to the rabbis, so then they're there are people who won't allow that to take place. In other words, there are people that are they're giving the rabbi a hard time, so every rabbi needs a washerman who's going to... Uh... Is it really that he's giving him a hard time, or is he just being honest? He was being honest, but it was taking... Um, I, I think you need a certain degree of either stubbornness or of... Uh, of uh, if, you, if, you, if you were really so cognizant when you made the vow that you wanted it to stick and you thought it through so much, shouldn't it have occurred to you that the rabbis really don't recommend vows because you'll regret it? So like if, he, if it was thought through so much, it should have also been thought through. Maybe I should say Billy Netter, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, so um, yeah, so that's, that's the story. Um, I, I'm not saying he deserved to be whacked, uh, but he's saying it's not unusual that if you make such a uh, strong kind of thing that there's no way to remove that uh, somebody in the court won't be happy with you. Okay, uh, but it's, it's an interesting story. So it, it, sounds, it sounds almost like the guy comes to Besden knowing that it's going to be a waste of time. In other words, why, why is he, why is he chepizahing with Besden when he knows that he actually meant it when he said it? What is, what is he expecting, miracles? So the the rabbis uh, find find openings, right? They they do miracles. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we know when when Yiftach promised to, that the first uh, first thing that he comes uh, runs into on the way back from war, he's going to offer, uh, and it turned out it was his daughter. He didn't think the rabbis could help him because uh, he was convinced that they wouldn't find a way to help him. He didn't even bother going, and that was the tragedy of that. Uh, so um, uh, uh, the person is supposed to, uh, uh, even though he knows it's not going to be easy, and, they, and what can they do? He's, you're supposed to check, I guess. So, um, so let's see. Now we get another story. This story surprised me also. The wife of Abaye, Havi Lebarta, she had a daughter, from a previous marriage. So Omar, so when the daughter was very eligible, so, uh, so the, uh, the wife said, I'm sorry, 
So Abaye wanted that this daughter should be married to his side of the family. So he, Omra, she said, no, I want to marry her to my side of the family, the Kravai. Uh, so uh, there, there was, this was the debate between the two sides. It's interesting. Um, Chavetz Chaim had a similar story that his mother remarried and uh, the uh, person who she married wanted the Chavetz Chaim to marry his uh, daughter. Uh, wanted the Chavetz Chaim, there was another daughter there. With, a, with another family relation, I don't remember. And uh, the wife, or whatever, the Chavetz Chaim, could have, uh, uh, was much more eligible, could have found a much better pick, so to speak. Could have found a wife from a wealthier family, with better yichus. But uh, the mother's husband wanted him for her, uh, wanted uh, daughter. his daughter, told his wife, you know, that son of you, you know, I married you, so the least you could do is tell your son to... Uh, uh, marry someone in my family. Uh, and uh, the Chavetz Chaim saw that there was a fight going on between the Chavetz Chaim's brother and, uh, that, uh, and uh, the stepfather, and uh, he did marry her, and he, he always used to say that was the best movie he ever made. You know, the, but uh, um, I think she was older than him, too, and it was, uh, it, was, it was a whole story. But either way, these things do happen. Uh, so one side wants to marry her to the, his family, and one side wants to marry her to her family. So Abaye took things in his own hands. He said, Abaye said to Mrs. Abaye, he said, well, uh, I take a vow that you should be forbidden to benefit from me if you marry her to your family. Uh, so uh, that should end that. So what happens? She went, and she went against him in Silakreva. She married her daughter off uh, to her relatives. This is my daughter, Abaye. You, uh, I'm going to do it. And now the problem is Abaye had a vow uh, not to, uh, uh, to give anything to his wife. Also, commander of Yosef, he went in front of Rev Yosef. Had you known your wife wasn't going to listen to you, uh, and uh, is going to marry her to her family, would you have uh, made this vow? He said, no way. And he took it off. The purpose of the vow was to scare her away from doing that. And once she went ahead and did it, he would have never made the vow, so he took off the vow. Rav Yosef, Yosef permitted. The Gemara says, Are you permitted to, to take off a vow in this case? The Gemara said, in, yes. And we can bring a proof. A certain person uh, knew that his wife wanted to come up for the holidays, and he he didn't he felt that wasn't he, he didn't want her to go up, whatever the reason. But over al daito, believe it or not, he, uh, women don't always listen to their husbands, even very great husbands. That's always their independence, right? But also the regal, and she went up. My husband's not telling me what to do. And she went up to the regal. Had you known that she wasn't going to listen to you, what did you have made the vow? And Rebiosi permitted it, very similar to the other story. Okay. Yes. So looking at these past two cases, the uh, Ola Rego one and Abaye's wife situation, it harkens back to the Mishnah, where we said that Nidre's reason, these motivational Hidara, don't require annulment. 
Mm-hmm. And certainly they fall into that category of trying to motivate the other party to uh, not do something you don't want them to do. And so the question I have is why did a Baye or this other person have to go petition to have the uh, nidr annulled when it fits into that category of uh, Nidre's reason? Great question. The Ran asked that question. Let's take a look at the Ran. Thank you, Richard. I was waiting for that. Okay. Uh, but let's, the Ran here is on the, uh, about a paragraph down. Uh, he, he's asking that there are certain types of vows that people don't really mean uh, 100%. They're just trying to uh, light the fire, so to speak. They don't really want them to be forbidden. And if you have such a vow, we said you don't even really need nullification. So aren't these last two in that category? So, in Vatanya Maisubach, let's see the Ran on the left side, about a third of the way down. Alma filuki hai gavna poskinen. We see from here that even such a thing, um, you do have to have, get a pesach. Mim tamar, my matmina mekora. What was the question? Umi shari hachi. My benzula nidez ruzin masnisen. Why is this different than the kind of uh, vows in our Mishnah? Da'adra, bahailo lomer shenedr mutter me'elav. They should have told them, like Richard said, that the, these vows are not... This is their wife. They weren't serious that they were forbidding their wife. They were just trying to get the wife to do what they wanted. Uh, like the Mishnah. Yeshlam de lo nabi. He wants to say the Ran, you can't compare. The Nedjah's use in Masisen ain't pavalibo shavin. Over there where the seller says, I swear I won't take less than four. And the buyer says, I swear I'm not giving you more than two. So over there, neither one really meant what they said. And that's why it's permitted. He meant to, uh, to uh, he really meant to uh, forbid the wife if she didn't listen to It's not called but there was a Pesach that um, he really, did he really mean that? Did he he was trying to prevent her from doing that, but he really meant it. He wanted her not to do it. Basically, we're saying Nidre's Ruzim, neither one meant. Uh, they were just being salespeople. They, when they swore, I won't take less than this amount, of course they would. That, that's, uh, whereas over here, uh, at the moment they said it, they meant it. But it's a long run. that We don't have time to do the whole thing. It's, 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 uh, but uh, that, that is a good, uh, that that's opens the discussion. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. That's, that's it. Um, the, 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 you want the other person to take you seriously, um, and so therefore you vow. But in, in the case where the netter isn't binding is where you really don't mean it. So there are people that will sometimes say, I, I'm, I'm really serious, and they're not really serious. That's, uh, apparently, when you're dealing with like used car salesmen or however they, how, uh, the, we're dealing with the salespeople, there, whatever they say, you know they don't really mean. Oh, it's guaranteed, or your money back, or the, this is the best in the market, whatever the, he swears it's the best one he ever saw, or uh, somebody was saying last night, you know, that they always give him this line, you know, like, uh, I'm losing money on the deal, you know, or whatever the, I, I will tell you something interesting, though. Uh, um, and Eric uh, was saying that uh, we had this Gemara yesterday that when uh, one side said, I want four shkalim and a pruta, the Gemara wasn't sure 
if that was more serious? And, uh, or was that just a sales technique? Or was the fact that he was more specific, that showed... So he said that that was part of his pricing plan in his last business, was that he always made a very specific... It wasn't like $100, it was like $97.32. So that this person, the other side then thinks that it's very thought out what you're charging him. So if you come up with a number, then they think it's random. But when you give a very small number, so he, he used to use that strategy that the, that the Ron mentioned that was really a business technique that uh, uh, they still make it up, but they want, the other, they want you to think that it's, uh, yeah, they want you to think that it's detailed and that it's, uh, you can't bargain and everything is really, you know, what it is. Okay. Right, but you mentioned that nine in, that's right. New Mishnah. Um, if somebody, uh, uh, you want somebody to come eat, uh, eat with you, and uh, they're refusing, and it's an insult, and, and uh, um, or, or they, uh, um, so what, what do you do? Yomar, you say, kol neder shani, basically, you want him to, uh, he's been refusing your invitations, and you want him to come. And uh, therefore, you want him to see that you're really serious about it. So you want to make a vow that if he won't come, he'll never be able to benefit from you. You'll never talk to him again. On the other hand, you don't want the vow to be binding. So is there a solution to do a pretend vow? So he says, You want to make, swear to get him to eat by you. What you do is you, before you make the vow, you ahead of time nullify the vow and you say, Any vow that I'm going to do in the future, I don't really mean it. But you have to remember when you swear that you had already decided that this vow would be nullified ahead of time. Because if you, if you, you can't do that permanently, meaning that if you say to yourself, the vow that I'm going to make, I'm not serious about, it'll be bato. But what if you change your mind and you're serious when you make the vow? Then it would be a vow. So as long as you remember that you, um, in America, what they do, I don't like using this because I believe it comes from another religion, is that they have their fingers crossed. And therefore, they're allowed to lie if they cross their fingers. So you're supposed to have like your hands open in front of because otherwise when they lie, they cross their fingers behind them. I think it comes from Yashka. I don't know why, what it has to do with... Well, those are kids. People really believe that? Um, from the yeah, but then they're allowed to lie if they cross yeah, their fingers. Yeah, maybe it is. I, maybe that's where it came from. The kids get... It's childish. Yeah, I, don't, right. I, don't think, right. I don't think I don't want to do that. Maybe <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh, maybe it's maybe it's a way of saying, "God will forgive me." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, is this, this mission actually the source of Kol Nidre? Yeah, it absolutely is. is. It absolutely is, uh-huh. and that's where the rod's going. Um, uh-huh. So. Um, Let's see the Gemara. Kivin de Omer Kol Neder Shani Asilido Yehebato. Once, well, if the other person hears you make that announcement, that uh, anything that I say, it don't take me seriously, and it's going to be Bato, yeah. I looked it up for you, so that when 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 they goes back to um, uh, Europe, way way back, 
and it says the person would cross their fingers it was at that intersection where the fingers meet should be you should concentrate all the good spirits at that one spot to anchor your wish so it comes true huh when so they say when they cross your fingers you're like um do they're doing like their prayers that the, the focus that the good spirits should meet where your fingers are intersecting and that good should come out of that wow huh that's why they say when you really want something to come true they say okay cross your fingers the famous line is cross your fingers and hope to die is what they even say but uh right but crossing fingers is really a, is a way to say uh they want something to happen that their good spirit should uh, help them happen Huh. Are those yeah. type stuff, or is that... Yeah, it almost sounds like some kind of uh, hocus-pocus rather than the, uh, when you talk about spirits, but that's interesting. Okay, thank you for checking that. So um, the Gemara has a question, though. So the Mishnah's solution was that you should pre-announce that whatever you say is not serious. And then you could say it and not worry about an editor. So he's not going to pay any attention to you as we turn the page. So Gemara answers, Suri Maxter, you're right. We're missing a line or two. This is the full text. You want somebody to come eat with you. And he's refusing. And you swore that if he doesn't come... Uh, Something will be forbidden. That's called nidre zuzimhi. That's 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 not a serious vow. That's case number one. But you never meant it. You just said you you know that that was just a way of saying it. You better come. And what happens in general if a person wants that their vows shouldn't be binding? He should stand up on Rosh Hashanah and say kol neder shani any vow that I take in the future will be nullified. As long as he remembers when he swears that he doesn't really mean it. So, um, if he that's called Nidre. That's, that's called Nidre. Nidre. Yes. From this Yom Kippur to the next Yom Kippur. Yes, yes. So we'll, talk, we'll, we'll see the Ran soon in a second. So the more said, if he remembers, uh, if he remembered that he sw- that he was not going to make any promises, uh, that it'll be vato, but he made the vow anyways, doesn't he uproot that condition and he has to keep his netter? Shouldn't the fact that he remembers, if he remembers that, uh, that he had made a, uh, he said he wasn't going to swear and now he's swearing, doesn't that mean that he's not bound, that it, this is serious? Actually, it has to be that he doesn't remember that he made such a condition. Rabbi says, like we said initially, he made it, he didn't really know exactly what he said. And so now he's making the vow. If he, when he swears, he says, I'm swearing with whatever the rabbis told me to say on Rosh Hashanah. So, nedr lesbe mashasha, the rabbis told you to say that you don't make any nedrs, so there's nothing to the vow. Lo omal das rishona ni nedr, but if he didn't, ha- he wasn't going with what he said earlier, akra uh, then that condition no longer applies, v'kaim lenedra. And uh, he's going to have to keep his vow. He thought, this is an amazing thing that you can say this condition 
that you want all your vows to be nullified. So he was going to teach this uh, in the yeshiva that you could say kol nidre and have all your vows taken care of. So amalei rava tanika mustayulei the Mishnah deliberately left that line out and made it hidden. That people not swear and not mean it. And you want to go and teach like that in, in, the, uh, in, in the study hall? That's not a good idea. Okay, so let's begin the discussion about the, this, this condition is a cold nidre type of condition that somehow you can say something now and, and it can nullify future vows. So first we see in the Gemara, there's a little bit of a debate. Does it null- what about if you remembered that you weren't going to make vows and you make it anyway, does that mean that you're no longer following that condition? Or uh, is it only if you, you did remember, didn't remember, that was the, the part of the discussion. But let's look at the Ran uh, on Ahmed on, Beis. Uh, um, it's about 10 lines up on the right side. Uh, it begins um, Venira. It starts with the word Venira. It's right after a Rambam in the Dorm, in the parentheses. One, two, it's about, about 10 lines up from the bottom of the Ran on the right side. Venira, it appears to me, that in that which is said in some congregations, it's interesting today, everybody says it, but in those days it was some, He's saying that they are thinking of this thing, the purpose of Kol Nidre is to nullify future vows, just like our Gemara says here, that if you make this declaration, you won't be bound by what you say later. But the problem is, the words of Kol Nidre don't sound like it's in the future. It sounds like it's in the past, that you're nullifying previously made vow. The language found in the Makzorim is confused, is broken. And by the way, if you look carefully at our Makzorim, there's like two different ways to read it. Shinir uh, from the words that we have in our Makzor, it sounds Shehem Matirin Nidorim Shavru. The, the whole idea of Yom Kippur is to get our sins forgiven for last year. Are, are we trying to get last year's sins forgiven? Or are we trying to make a declaration for next year? Um, and by the way, when we say that formula, we do both. We try to get last year's forgiven and try to make a declaration for the future. But the question is, what, what is Kol Nidre about? Is it about the past or the future? That's what's in those parentheses, isn't it? Yes. That's exactly what I take. And we, and, yeah. And, yeah right. Our is only talking, this should only help for the future, not for the past. Rabbeinu Yaakov was Rabbeinu Tam, by the way, but his first name was Yaakov. He said, Rabbeinu Yaakov hayamisakin halashin. The Rabbeinu Tam changed the lashin in the maxer, in order that it should read in the future, he made it with a kumets, that's what he, he said. He said he turned it into the future tense. He says, I don't agree. Because then people are going to not take vows seriously if you say anything I say in the future. 
the autonomous Simon's Dume, because as we said in our Gemara, this was hidden. Um, how, how, it doesn't sound very good if you're going to tell everybody, don't worry, whatever you say isn't going to count. And that's the difference, because back then the vow meant something. These days when we say it, the vow, we, we don't respect our word. Right. But the cuss of a Rambam, he quotes the Rambam, the Perik, the Ferish, Chinisca Sheshmin, a gonum, Shomer, Shaintanai, Kodum, Mavato, Maisha, Omer, Laatzmo. He said you can't make a condition ahead of time to get rid of what you're going to say later. Lachmikat, Elman, Adorim, Avaloba, Shuas, it only helps for Nadorim and not Shuas. Yesh, Misha, Omer, Shuas, and Adorim, some people say they're the same thing. Me, Amit, Dafka, Bishuas, and Adorim, Shinishba, Venoda, Laatzma, Mishinishba, Chavero. He's saying this only works when you swear something for yourself. But if somebody takes you to court and you swear to him, <laughs> Otherwise, every time you take somebody to court and he gets up there and he swears, I don't owe you a penny, I never borrowed money, ha ha, I said kol nidre. <laughs> Off the hook. So he's saying that no, the kol nidre is only for personal oaths that you swear. It's not for something that you would swear against your fellow person. Because you're swearing based on what he is uh, making you swear. Uh, but uh, either way, uh, this is a big discussion in the Rishonim about what, uh, what really is going on with Kol Nidre. Is it about the future or is it about the past? Could it work? Does it work? Uh, some people say it's Kabbalistic that Hashem swore um, in a certain way when Hashem sent us away, that's a vow. And so we're telling Hashem that he can take us back. That's the idea of Kol Nidre, is we're nullifying Hashem's vow. Uh, that's a whole different idea of what's, what's going on. Uh, but then it goes, it's the past. So then Rabbeinu Tam is wrong for making it in the future, if that's what it really means. Uh, so, but it, it is a mystical and an ancient prayer, and there's a big debate about uh, how Kol Nidre works and what the focus is. Uh, and uh, again, the Ran reflects it here in the Gemara. We're going to stop here. Uh, you know what? Let's do two lines from the bottom. We have time to just read the next line. At Eboy. Eboy lehu. The question is, Pligi Rabbana Ledur of Lozer ben Yaakov Olo. In the Mishnah here, where we quoted this opinion that if you can make a vow that ain't serious and it's not binding, uh, it's called Nidre's reason, would the Rabbana agree to that or not? Being tips of Pligi, and if they do argue, so who do we hold like? So, Tashma, we'll have to find out tomorrow. Okay, we'll stop here.